sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses to be, close parentheses, like a lump of meat. Episode 133, Tipitaka, Part 69, dudes! Well, thank you, Bill and Ted. It's very nice of you to save me some mouth vocalization, um, in which I will be reciting Pakitia, Part 68, or LXV... I, 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 and possibly... 69, dudes! Hey, I see what you did there. Um, and uh, who knows, maybe 70. We shall see. Um, if this is your first time seeing me, do go ahead and click here. That will take you to the Tipi Taka playlist. Better to start with part one. The Tipi Taka is the Pali way of saying the Tripitaka, which is the Sanskrit way of saying the three baskets, which refers to the original scriptures of Buddhism. That's uh, now called Theravada, although that's only called that because Mahayana is a thing and Vajrayana is a thing. And so that Buddhism that existed before Mahayana has to have a name other than Buddhism in order to be differentiated from these other forms of Buddhism. Does that make sense? So they call it Theravada. Um, some folks call it Hinayana, which is kind of rude, but it's very common. So if you are familiar with the term Hinayana Buddhism, that's what we're talking about here. Um, so we're reading the, the old rules that were given by Lord Buddha. Um, to the monks, the like few hundred monks, maybe 300 monks, uh, something like that, that were wandering from place to place, village to village, town to town, uh, pretty much in present-day Bihar, uh, India. Anyway, um, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Vasudhara. She's been a guest, of course, on this program before, and is often seen uh, hanging out with Jambala, who's also been guest on this program before. Welcome. And uh, remember, monks, if she invites you to go walking with her, you have to say no, because she's a woman. All right. Expiation. Pakitia. L-X-V-I-I-I. Which is how the ancient Romans used to say 68. Anyway, at one time, the Enlightened One, the Lord, 
was staying at Savati. Our numbers, by the way, came from India. I don't know if you know that. Um, they refer to them as Arabic numerals because there was an Arabic mathematician who preferred using India's numbers. One, two, three. You know them. Anyway, so it became, they became known in Europe as Arabic numerals, but they came from India. Just FYI, the LXVIII is the one that Italians can be proud of as part of their heritage. Um, anyway, at one time, the Enlightened One, the Lord, was staying at Savati in the Jetta Grove in Anatta Pindika's monastery. Now, at that time, a pernicious view had arisen to a monk named Arita. Our common ancestor here will be playing the role of Arita. I think that's the ancestor of bugs and stuff like that. Not a direct common ancestor, more of a cousin, aunt or uncle. A monk named Arita, who had formerly been a vulture trainer. Like this. Quote. So this is Arita's pernicious view. Insofar as I understand Dhamma, taught by the Lord... It is that in following those things called stumbling blocks by the Lord, there is no stumbling block at all. End quote. Several monks heard, quote, A per pernicious view has arisen to the monk named Arita, who was formerly a vulture train, like this, quote within quotes, insofar as I understand three dots, there is no stumbling block at all, end quote within quotes, end quote. Then these monks approached the monk Arita, who had formerly been a vulture trainer. And having approached, they spoke thus to the monk Arita, who had formerly been a vulture trainer. Quote, is it true? Well, this isn't the Lord, this is the monks. Is it true, as is said, Reverend Arita, that a pernicious view has arisen to you like this, quote within quotes, insofar as I understand, three dots, no stumbling block at all, end quote within quotes, question mark, end quote. Quote, undoubtedly, your reverences, as I understand Dhamma taught by the Lord, it is that in following those things called stumbling blocks, by the Lord, there is no stumbling block at all. End quote. Quote. Do not speak thus, Reverend Arita. Do not misrepresent the Lord. Misrepresentation of the Lord is not at all seemly. And the Lord certainly would not speak thus. Reverend Arita. In many a figure are things that are stumbling blocks called stumbling blocks by the Lord. And in following these, there is a veritable stumbling block. Sense pleasures are declared by the Lord to be, parentheses, things, close parentheses, affording little satisfaction, of much pain, of much tribulation, wherein is more danger. Sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses, to be, close parentheses, like a skeleton of much pain, of much tribulation, wherein is more danger. 
sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses to be, close parentheses, like a lump of meat, of much pain, of much tribulation, wherein is more danger. Sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses to be, close parentheses, like a firebrand of dry grass. Three dots. Sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses to be, close parentheses, like a pit of glowing embers. Three dots. Sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses to be, close parentheses, like a dream. Three dots. Sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses to be, close parentheses, like something borrowed. Three dots. Sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses to be, like the fruits of a tree. Three dots. Sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses to be, close parentheses, like a slaughterhouse. Three dots. Sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses to be, close parentheses, like an impaling stake. Three dots. Sense pleasures are declared by the Lord, parentheses to be, close parentheses, like a snake's head. Of much pain, of much tribulation, wherein is more danger. End quote. So all of that was the monks talking to Arita about his oversimplified view about by stumbling blocks. There's no stumbling blocks at all. Yet the monk Arita, who had formerly been a vulture trainer, being spoken to thus by these monks, expressed that pernicious view as before, obstinately holding to it, adhering to it. Quote, Undoubtedly, your reverences, as I understand Dhamma taught by the Lord, it is that in following those things called stumbling blocks by the Lord, there is no stumbling block at all. End quote. And since those monks were unable to dissuade the monk Arita, who had formerly been a vulture trainer, from that pernicious view, then those monks approached the Lord, and having approached, they told this matter to the Lord. Then the Lord, on this occasion, in this connection, having had the order of monks convened, questioned the monk Arita, who had formerly been a vulture trainer, saying, quote, Is it true, as is said, that you, Arita, a, that to you, Arita, a pernicious view arose like this, quote within quotes, insofar as I understand Dhamma, three dots, no stumbling block at all, end quote within quotes, question mark, end quote, quote, undoubtedly, Lord, uh, as I understand Dhamma, three dots, no stumbling block at all, end quote, quote, to whom, then, do you, foolish man, understand that Dhamma was taught thus by me? Are not, foolish man, things that are stumbling blocks called stumbling blocks by me in many a figure? And in following these, is there not a veritable stumbling block? 
sense pleasures are declared by me, parentheses, to be things, close parentheses, affording little pleasure, of much pain, of much tribulation, wherein is more danger. Three dots. <clears throat> sense pleasures are declared by me, parentheses, to be, close parentheses, like a snake's head, of much pain, of much tribulation, wherein is more danger, and yet you, foolish man, not only misrepresent me because of your own wrong grasp, but you also injure yourself and give rise to much demerit, which for a long time will be for you, foolish man, of woe and sorrow. It is not, foolish man, for pleasing those who are not, parentheses, yet, close parentheses, pleased, three dots, and thus monks this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk should speak thus, quote within quotes, insofar as I understand Dhamma taught by the Lord, it is that in following those things called stumbling blocks by the Lord, there is no stumbling block at all, end quote within quotes, that monk should be spoken to thus by the monks, Quote within quotes, do not, venerable one, speak thus. Do not misrepresent the Lord. Misrepresentation of the Lord is not at all seemly, and the Lord certainly would not speak thus. In many a figure, your reverence, are things that are stumbling blocks called stumbling blocks by the Lord, and in following these, there is a veritable stumbling block. End quote within quotes. And if that monk, when he has been spoken to thus by the monks, should persist as before, that monk should be admonished by the monks up to the third time for giving up that, parentheses, course, close parentheses. If being admonished up to the third time he should give it up, that is good. But if he should not give it up, there is an offense of expiation. End quote. That is a very specific rule. That, uh, like we had the Upananda rules a while back. This is sort of an Arita rule, a rule just for him. I mean, maybe there'd be someone that comes up with this verbal mathematics at some point in the future, but whatever means, three dots. Next time, we'll do the flashback. Monk means three dots. Should speak thus means quote then quotes. Insofar as I understand Dhamma taught by the Lord, three dots, no stumbling block at all, end quote within quotes. I wonder if it means like generally speaking, like if a, a monk tries to sum up the teachings of Lord Buddha in an inane statement that misses the mark. That monk means, the monk who speaks thus, by the monks means, by other monks who see, who hear, he should be told by these. Do not, venerable one, speak thus, three dots, a veritable stumbling block, end quote. At a second time, he should be told, three dots. And a third time, he should be told, three dots. If he gives it up, that is good. If he does not give it up, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If, having heard, they do not speak, there is an offense of wrongdoing. That monk, having been pulled to the midst of the order, should be told, quote, Do not, venerable one, speak thus, Three dots, a veritable stumbling block, end quote. 
And a second time he should be told, three dots. And a third time he should be told, three dots. If he gives it up, that is good. If he does not give it up, there is an offensive wrongdoing. That monk should be admonished, and thus monks should be he be admonished. The order should be informed by an experienced, competent monk, saying, quote, within quotes or whatever, Honored sirs, let the order listen to me. A pernicious view has arisen to the monk so-and-so like this. Insofar as I understand, three dots, no stumbling block at all, he has, he does not give up that view. If it seems right to the order, let the order admonish the monk. Let the order admonish the monk so-and-so that he may give up this view. This is the motion. Honored sirs, let the order listen to me. A pernicious view has arisen to the monk so-and-so. Three dots. He does not give up this view. The order admonishes the monk so-and-so and that he may give up this view. If the admonishing of the monk so-and-so that he may give up this view is pleasing to the venerable ones, let them be silent. If it is not pleasing, then you should speak and a second time, I speak forth this matter, three dots. A third time, I speak forth this, forth this matter. Honored sirs, let the order listen to me, three dots. Then you should speak. The monk so-and-so has been admonished by the order for giving up this view. If it is pleasing to the order, let them be silent, three dots. Thus do I understand this. End quote. As a result of the motion, there is an offensive wrongdoing. As a result of two proclamations, there are offenses of wrongdoing. At the end of the proclamations, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that it is a legally valid act, when it is a legally valid act, parentheses and, close parentheses, does not give it up, there is an offense of expiation. If he is in doubt as to whether it is a legally valid act, three dots. If he thinks that it is not a legally valid act when it is a legally valid act, parentheses and, close parentheses, does not give it up, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that it is a legally valid act when it is not a legally valid act, there is an offense of wrongdoing. So I guess that would be, I mean, I, I can only assume that if a monk says, the teachings of the Dhamma can be summed up in an ostrich or in, a, in an oyster shell or something. Uh, because when you open it, maybe there's a pearl inside. Like if he, you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't have to be exactly this um, misinterpretation or sort of harebrained interpretation. Like, I mean, that would be weird, right? To have such a specific rule. Um, so, but if, if a monk is drawing an allegory and people are trying to enforce this rule where he's saying, you know, the, the Buddhist Dharma is like the mind or, you know, or something like that. He's making some profound abstract like Zen koan or something, although this is, you know, a thousand years before Zen koans. Um, <clears throat> and so this rule is wrongfully applied to him. But he thinks that, oh, okay, I guess, I guess they're right, you know, but he, he insists on going around saying his koan. Um, 
so in a case where this law doesn't apply, but the monks get together and enforce it anyway, it's wrongdoing. But who, who decides that? I don't know. It's a little unclear, but there it is. If he is in doubt as to whether it is not a legally valid act, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that it is not a legally valid act when it is not a legally valid act, there is no offense. There is no offense if he is not admonished, if he gives it up, if he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer. The eighth. Meaning the 68th. <clears throat> well, that one was pretty interesting. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Expiation. Pakitia. 69, dudes. L-X-I-X. Uxix, as they used to say in ancient Rome. Not really. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord was staying at Savati in the Jetta Grove. He's still here because he's in this one. I peeked ahead. In Anatapindika's monastery. Now at that time, the group of six monks knowingly used to eat together with and be in communion with and lie down in a sleeping place with Arita. Well, the monk who talked thus who had not acted according to the rule, who had not given up that view. Those who were modest monks, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, How can the group of six monks knowingly eat together with and be in communion with and lie down in a sleeping place with Arita, three dots, who has not given up that view? And, quote, three dots, quote, Is it true, as is said, that you, monks, knowingly eat together with and are in communion with and lie down in a sleeping place with Arita, three dots, who has not given up that view. And quote, quote, it is true, Lord, and quote, the enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, quote, how can you foolish men knowingly eat together with and be in communion with and lie down in a sleeping place with Arita, who has not given up that view. It is not foolish men for pleasing those who are not, parentheses yet, close parentheses, pleased, three dots. And thus, monk, this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk should knowingly eat together with or be in communion with or lie down in a sleeping place with, a monk who talks thus, who has not acted according to the rule, who has not given up that view, there is an offense of expiation. It's culty. Very culty. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was wondering, or actually this morning, and I was wondering if, I, if there'd ever be a reason to, you know, or a purpose or, you know, anything... To, to talk about it, um, people who don't like religion and don't like spiritual things, but like Buddhism, or at least like the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, will often say, quote, Buddhism is not a religion, it's a philosophy, end quote. Now, religion comes from a Latin. word, 
meaning having to do with relics and things. And philosophy comes from a Greek word meaning love of Sophia, goddess of wisdom. Yeah, well, you know, the definitions of the words have evolved and mean something a little different in present-day English, perhaps, than they meant in ancient Greek. However, saying which of these two Greek concepts is this, you know, is, is Buddhism, is odd, first of all. You know, set your own presuppositions aside and see the thing for what it is, A. B, it's a false dichotomy. And C, it's also kind of wrong. I mean, there's philosophy in it as far as, um, you know, the teachings. Uh, but as far as Buddha, Buddhism, people will say, well, in when Mahayana came around, that's when it became a religion. And then when Vajrayana came around, that's when it became even more of a religion. But if you go back to the original Buddhism, the original teachings of the Buddha, it's not a religion, it's a philosophy. No, it's a cult. Um, and by that, I mean it in the neutral sense and a little bit in the negative sense. But it was a long time ago. I mean, these kinds of things don't fly today. They're still practiced, but when they are, we call them cults. If a person joins an organization where they're practicing in a particular way and they're being taught a particular teaching and they're behaving in a specific way with a lot of rules and one among them has a different interpretation of the teachings, for there to be a one-two combination of rules which forbids the community from sitting to have a meal with that person with the wrong view. Is it a philosophy or is it a religion? Or is it a problematic cult? You decide. I'm not casting judgment. I'm just pointing out reality. All right. Moving along, and of course, 6th century BCE uh, was a different time. Whatever means three dots, monk means three dots. He knows means either he knows by himself or others tell him or, parentheses, someone, close parentheses, tells him. Now, that all said, would the Buddhist philosophy have survived as well as it did Without rules like this, that I don't know. I mean, at that time, at the time he was teaching them, they weren't writing it down. They wrote it down later. They memorized it. They remembered it. They repeated it over and over. So if he had allowed for people to have weird interpretations of the teachings right from the get-go, even while he was still alive and among them and giving the teachings, it probably wouldn't have continued. So it's sort of the equivalent. That all, all, of that, all that stuff I said before, having been said, if we look at it through the, the eyes of today, for through today's eyes, if this existed today as it 
existed then, then it would be perceived as a problematic cult, I think, in my view. However, in 6th century BC, it is the equivalent, I think, of like a copyright, like a uh, when you publish something or when you decree something, you write it down, you say, this is this teaching. If somebody comes along and says, I have an alternate view, like for example, I was talking to my friend yesterday about when I was a, a singer in a, in a Russian Orthodox choir. It was one of those Roman Catholic churches which pretends to be an Orthodox church. You know the ones? No? Well, now you do. That's a thing. Um, and I was singing in that choir for five years. And eventually they initiated me and brought me into the church. Uh, but as soon as that happened, as soon as I was considered one of them, then they were very closely monitoring kind of my thoughts um, and my behavior and my actions and uh, making sure that it fell in line with, uh, with doctrine. And of course it didn't always. And uh, there was a point where the priest was kind of ranting and raving. He was talking about some kind of New Age Gnosticism. And, uh, you know, knowing that I am partial to the teachings of the Buddha and I considered myself a Buddhist, and I explained all that to him, um, and that I didn't consider that to be in opposition, that there's a lot of people who say, well, you're either this or you're that. You can't be both. And I was like, well, that I don't think is true I, because I'm both. I always have been. Uh, my grandma raised me going to church. My dad raised me doing Tibetan Buddhist meditation. And they went together very well for me. Um, the prayer part of church fit, in my view, with there was an overlap with the anahat part of the chakra chanting. And as my dad would say, the difference is what we were doing went up beyond that, beyond just this universal love. Not to say that that's just, that's most important. But there was like a double, you know, there was love on both sides, but then there was hung and opening the third eye and seeing all that stuff, which my grandma would consider, oh, no, no, that's the devil. And so I was like, okay. So I exist in both worlds, but... I'm not allowed to exist in both worlds according to certain people with their rigid structures and rules, which is kind of why I find myself not involved in any organizations because I don't fit. Um, sorry to be taking it aside. It just is going to define these words like whatever in monk. It basically the, the rule has been stated that um, you're not allowed to talk to a monk who has a wrong view who hasn't let go of his wrong view. And it got to the point where I had a wrong view. And uh, during the homily, uh, the, I won't say his name, but the, that particular priest would come up and look right at me and say, if you are a Christian, that means that in your heart is Christ and no one else. And it was like talking about harlots and stuff like that, spiritual harlots and stuff like that. And I was like, it's time for me to go, you know. Um, I, I wasn't singing in the choir at that point. I, I sang until about 2008, and then I kind of stopped. Like, my, my time was invested elsewhere, but then I came back around 2010, and uh, 
I started sharing, you know, it, with, through email, I was sharing ideas with, with uh, Father I'll beat that. Um, and that was his response. So, so yeah, to me, I mean, Catholic, the Catholic Church obviously is a religion, uh, which basically in this context in particular is like a big, well-established cult. Um, if that were going on in a, in a garage and there were only 20 people involved, then, uh, then you would call it a cult. But since there's a billion people involved, it's called a religion. So I think that you should be allowed to sit down and have dinner with somebody who has different views than yourself, is my point. I can understand why this rule existed in 6th century BC. And perhaps I can understand why it existed why it exists in the con context of a monastic order. Because it's kind of like leaning towards schism. I'm not as phobic of schism as the next guy. And if you are, uh, for example, a Buddhist who's anything but a Theravadan, then you obviously are okay with schism too, right? Because... So-and-so guru, so-and-so teacher came off of another school who came off of another school who came off of another school who agreed with one particular teacher's uh, point of view at Nalanda University, which was moving away from the old Theravadan teachings, which had already split in 14 directions. And so we're all schismites at this point, you know, but... Back then, wanting to make sure that the order remained stuck together, remained one only, moving forward. Not allowed to have other ideas. Not allowed to, not allowed to have and say your own opinions out loud. If people don't agree with them. Everybody has to be saying the same thing. All the ships have to be moving the same direction. Well, what does this have to do with enlightenment? There's more than one meaning to the word enlightenment. One of them is nirvana, which means ah, to blow out. And there may or may not be a relationship between that and a secondary definition of enlightenment, which is to bring light to something. So what happened for me in that story that I told you, I was talking to my friend Joe about this, was that in 2003, my faith had aligned with the church, or it was in alignment with the church. And in 2010, it was no longer in alignment with the church. But it, it doesn't mean my faith changed, and it doesn't mean the church changed. It just means that these two things are different. So the path, one's own path in one's own heart from here to enlightenment might go on completely within one particular temple with one particular guru in one particular religion. Or it might not. And if that is a surprise to you, you're welcome for the enlightenment. Not for the nirvana, just for clarifying that uh, as a part of the world. 
you can continue your path without being in the same temple. If you're inundated with rules and bad energy and judgment and people trying to make you into something you're not, um, there was a group I was with that I refer to as a Procrustean order. Procrustus was, uh, was a man in Greek uh, mythology who he had a bed for you and you could stay the night. If you were, you know, if there was a storm out or you were starving, you know, and, and you were a wandering traveler, he'd, he'd invite you in, he'd give you a meal and, and everything. And then when it was time to lay down, he'd measure you. And if you were a little too big for the bed, he cut something off, maybe the top of your head or maybe the bottom of your feet to make sure you fit in the bed. And if you were too small for the bed, well, then he'd stretch you out so that you fit the bed. So procrustean means just that. It means you're welcome in this community if you fit. And if you don't fit, well, then we'll try to make you fit. If you're gay, for instance, we'll try to make you straight. If you're whatever, you name it. If you prefer laughing, we'll make it, you know, you have to be serious all the time, no laughter. You know, like I said, there's a, there's a place for everything. And it's very interesting to me to learn about the original Buddhism and the original Siddhartha Gautama and the original teachings. And I don't think that it takes away from the, the good or the, uh, the light in the teachings of others that came later in the name of and in the uh, world of Buddhism. <clears throat> Which is something that for me has changed. Because I always thought of Lord Buddha, the man in Bihar in 6th century BC as being the source of it all. And I thought of anything that, you know, like uh, any, any variations from it as being kind of like... Uh, less authentic or less good somehow or less uh, less real Buddhism. <clears throat> and that's where I was coming from when I started this series 133 episodes ago. And that for me has changed in the process of reading this. And I'm grateful for the, uh, the process. I'm grateful for the words. I'm grateful for the knowledge. And I'll continue to read it and I will continue to evolve and change as I read it, and um, I don't know. I'm just letting you know where I'm coming from, not to say that this is where you need to be coming from, but yeah, just sometimes I do this, sometimes I talk. It's, uh, you know, Edward Reed recites the scriptures with commentary. This is the commentary. Um, feel free to comment or write to me if you have any thoughts about anything that I'm saying. Whatever means three dots. Monk means three dots. He knows means either he knows by himself or others tell him or parentheses someone close parentheses tells him. Talks thus means talks so saying quote then quotes insofar as I understand Dhamma taught by the Lord it is that in following those things called stumbling blocks by the Lord there is no stumbling block at all. End quote. I mean, I can kind of get what he's saying, actually. Well, if you follow the things called stumbling blocks by the Lord. I mean, it's a little weirdly worded, but I think I get what he's saying. 
Um, but it's, you know, if he's going around teaching that, and they're like, no, no, that's his weird way of teaching. But there's got to be a better way than just banishing him from the community. I mean, not being allowed to sit with him and talk with him, but not kicking him out either. I mean, at least they're not kicking him out, right? Has not acted according to the rule means he is suspended, not restored. Together with, parentheses, a monk, close parentheses, who has not given up that view means together with, parentheses, a monk, close parentheses, who has not given up this view. Or should eat with means there are two parentheses kinds of eating, kinds of close parentheses, eating. Eating food and eating dhamma. Oh, oh, a metaphor. Eating food means if he gives or accepts food, there is an offense of expiation. Eating dhamma means he recites or causes to recite. If he recites or causes a line to be recited, for every line there is an offense of expiation. If he recites or causes a syllable to be recited, for every syllable there is an offense of expiation. Is that really an alternate meaning of the ancient Pali word that gets translated as eating? Is reciting scripture? Or is it, I mean, it seems like a, a metaphor, some kind of eating dhamma. Well, eating dhamma, obviously, is when you recite Dhamma together, that's eating Dhamma. In uh, Japanese, um, when you burn incense and meditate, they call that listening to the incense. All right. I think, right? I think I've got that right in Japanese, obviously. Or should be in communion with means if he performs the observance day, parentheses, ceremony, close parentheses, or the invitation ceremony or a parentheses formal close parentheses act of the order together with one who is suspended there is an offense of expiation oh he's suspended is he because uh, he said that they said it was an offense of expiation i missed the part where where he was suspended all right maybe when i listen to this i'll catch it and go oh that was where he said it was suspended do you guys remember that him being suspended he's suspended don't eat with someone when they're suspended. Not until he stops saying the thing that he thinks. I mean, it's one thing maybe, you know, he's saying that the Buddha's saying that. The Buddha's saying, no, I'm not saying that. You're saying that. You can say that, but don't say I'm saying that. But if you're going to say that, then I don't know, maybe that's another issue. But misrepresenting the Buddha's teachings when you're a monk in the Buddha's order, while the Buddha is alive. I mean, that's very specific. But as soon as the Buddha is not alive, then this becomes a big problem, because then it's all about hierarchy. Because what if whoever's in charge after Ananda, after, you know, uh, the first big three, the disciples, someone who's born after Lord Buddha has passed, maybe someone who's born after the last disciple to pass away, the last of the original disciples passes away and someone is born and they grow up and then they become the head of the Sangha one day. And they have a wrong understanding of Buddhist teachings. And a monk comes along with a correct understanding of Buddhist teachings and explains it in a simple way that perhaps hasn't been, you know, uh, a, a way of explaining it that hasn't come around yet. Then they get told you're misrepresenting the Buddhist teachings by their authorities and then suspended and then you're not allowed to eat with them because they're the one that actually understands Lord Buddha's teachings. Because Lord Buddha's not around to tell them that that's not 
his teachings. Right? I mean, it gets different once uh, a century passes, right? Obviously, because it's split 14 times within a couple hundred years. All right, where were we? Or should lie down in a sleeping place with means if one who is suspended is lying down and a monk lies down in a sleeping place under the same roof, there is an offense of expiation. If a monk is lying down and one who is suspended lies down, there is an offense of expiation. Or if both are lying down, there is an offense of expiation. If getting up, they lie down again and again, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that one is suspended when he is suspended, parentheses and, close parentheses, sits together or sits together with, or is in communion with, or lies down in a sleeping place with, parentheses him, close parentheses, there is an offense of expiation. If he is in doubt as to whether one is suspended, three dots, offensive wrongdoing. If he thinks that one is not suspended when he is suspended, parentheses, no offense. If he thinks that one is suspended when he is not suspended, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he is in doubt as to whether one is not suspended, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that one is not suspended when he is not suspended, there is no offense. There is no offense if he knows, quote, he is not suspended, end quote. If he knows, quote, he was suspended, he is restored, end quote. If he knows, quote, he has given up that view, end quote. If he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer, the ninth, meaning the 69th. So, yeah, that was, that was very interesting. It gave me a, a lot of opportunity to pontificate. And as a result, this episode has gone on a bit long, and we only read two today, even though they're actually short. But I, I talked for a while. So, so yeah, today is going to be just these two, 68 and 69. Tomorrow, or the day after, whenever it is, we'll start with 70, in which we'll get to do the key with the 10 phrases to help remember that group of 10. Um... Yeah, I mean, I hope uh, I hope that you enjoyed and weren't too bothered by what I was saying. Um, just just speaking my truth, just speaking from the heart here um, about what I'm hearing and how it's hitting my ear and my mind, and uh, just sharing with you my process it has nothing to do with your process. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's. That's how it, how it strikes me, these two rules. Don't have wrong views. Don't have food with one who has wrong views. If you're a monk, if you're a Theravadan monk, actually. So this is uber traditional. This is like the most traditional that you can be. And if you worship in a temple where there are um, men and women sitting on each other's laps, depicted on the wall, then you are not Theravadan. <laughs> you are not traditional. So I'm not meaning any um, criticism of, uh, of that, only of this particular rules. And obviously the Mahayanists at the very beginning had their views about the limitations of, uh, of Theravada as it existed. And 
one could even speculate and say that even though these are the oldest scriptures, that perhaps they were not all 100% the accurate rememberings of the Buddha's teachings. Uh, that maybe some of these rules came around after he died and they just wrote them in the same way. But then you kind of go down a road where it's a, sort of a never-ending road of unraveling and deconstructing where it's like, well, maybe none of it happened. Maybe he didn't exist. Maybe this was all just the Romans trying to keep the pecking order, trying to, you know, or whatever, like they do with Christianity, you know. But, you know, you're free to uh, to explore these thought processes as as I am too, because if you didn't know, I'm not a monk, so I'm not bound to these rules. I'm just learning them for reasons. All right, well, um, that's it from me, I guess. I hope that you enjoyed it on whatever level, whoever you are, and in whatever time, whatever part of the earth. All I know is that you understand English. You might be older, you might be younger, you might be here, you might be there, you might be now, you might be in the future, probably not in the past, unless some technology comes around that I wasn't anticipating. I'll go ahead and close. <clears throat> to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings in peace. Oh. Until next time.